0: God how many know we need to be led to the cross today amen praise God we appreciate our drama team and driven and the ministry there we appreciate as uh, pastor said earlier a multi-generational church amen and uh, if you don't have that then you will not receive everything that God has ordained for you and second of all you are a dying church. Amen. Uh, But we want to be a living church and outlive our generation. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And so uh, thank you. You don't know how many hours have gone into them preparing to do that ministry today. Right. And so we thank God that we have a generation. You know, there's a lot of folks that bad mouth generations. Well, you'll get what you say. Amen. But this generation is just looking for somebody to step up and be a leader Amen, and show them the way, and they're doing a wonderful job of that, and we're so thankful for it. Could we give that gener- those, those folks another good? God bless you this morning. Amen. If your teenagers are not involved. They have a worship service on Wednesday night here at the church at seven o'clock. You need to be uh, get them involved on Wednesday nights. Their life will be changed. Amen. And so uh, be a part of that. But today we're going to, I'm going to talk to you for a few moments this morning on my best friend. Amen. We have been talking about the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. And today we want, we talked about the father and then we talked about the son. And today we want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, We've been talking here and he is the third person of the Godhead, right? He is. God in the third person. And so we are living in a time like no, none other. There was a time when everyone in America went to church or respected God, right? Uh, they uh, was brought up with some kind of fear and respect for God, the house of God and the things of God. And we had a, a literate uh, nation that understood the Bible biblically literate. They, if they did not even participate, at least they knew about God. They knew about the things of God, and they knew enough to honor and respect Him, right? Um, but we are in a different generation today, and uh, if you and I want to accept it or not, we the shifts that have taken place here in America have proven that we are living in a post-Christian America. We are living in a time whenever uh, we have generations now that are biblically illiterate, that know nothing about God, know nothing about the church. I met with a pastor last this past week, Jose, and they were doing some uh, mission work in an inner city and it was sharing the gospel in America. And uh, he said they told them about Jesus, and some of them asked, who is Jesus? Others of them talked about God, and they said, well, who is God? They don't, they don't know the basics. And so that's where we're living today. That's what we're dealing with today. But the spirit, the, in the Bible, spirit is mentioned 80 times in the Scripture, Our old English word uses one word to describe it, but actually there are two different original uh, languages here. The Hebrew means, for the word for spirit, means a violent uh, exhaustion, a blast of breath, or a strong wind. The Greek word for spirit means the breath or wind or strong breeze. And uh, so what I'm trying to say is this. There are some places in the Scripture that that it is uh, translated. The word "spirit" is translated "ghost," right? And whenever a generation understood the Bible, you could speak of the Holy Ghost, and people would would not, uh, you know, they had an understanding of what that is. But you talk about the Holy Ghost now, and people start looking for Casper's cousin. They they don't know. Who it is? They don't know what it is, and and while it is interesting to me that we have all these medium shows and people looking for ghosts and all of that, but whenever you would say the Holy Ghost, people get scared. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, but uh, but for this generation to understand what I what I want to say is this that that it is the Spirit of God. It is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And there is nothing to be afraid of. Amen. Nothing to be afraid of. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to fear the Holy Spirit. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Amen. And so there isn't anything. The reason that some don't want to acknowledge the Holy Spirit for us today is because they cannot explain the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is unexplainable. Now you can understand the scripture and understand that he is the third part and you can have a theological understanding but you cannot come to the end of the Holy Spirit. You cannot say this is what he is no more than what you can say this is who God is. You can talk about the attributes of God but you cannot come to the end of God. Neither can you talk about and come to the end of the Holy Spirit because it is God represented in the earth today. And so, uh, in order to receive all He has for us, you've got to get comfortable with the unexpected. You have to be comfortable with the unpredictable. You're going to have to rely on Him instead of just your senses. Amen. Scientific methods or researches, what they tell you. But you have to accept the mystery as part of the relationship. Amen. If he was predictable, we would put our trust in a system or a structure. And that kind of uh, cause and effect and behavior leads to legalism rather than a relationship. Amen. And Jesus wanted to give his disciples supernatural power. They wanted specific answers. They said, well, what about the time and what about the seasons? And Jesus went on to tell them, you don't need to know the time or the seasons, right? And you don't need to focus on everything. Instead, you should focus on the Spirit's coming. This is what's important. And most of us need more in, don't need more information. What we need is more power. Amen. We don't need inspira- inspiring words about God. We need inspiring presence of God within our life. We need the Holy Spirit to breathe life into us. Hallelujah. You see, an intellect- intellectual gospel is always dangerous because it creates a God that looks like us. Amen. One that is our size. We bring God down to, when we have to intellectually figure God out, we bring Him down to who we are and limit Him to what man has done. But I want you to remember that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither is it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for us. Amen. God is greater than your mind. Amen. And so, you see, people who need answers before they experience God will reduce God down to their capacity to comprehend a thing. Amen. If we've got got an understanding of God before we experience Him, then God will never be bigger than our own brains. Amen. But we need more than human effort. We need more than our own ability. Amen. We need the breath of God to blow upon our lives and change our minds and transform us. Amen. Zacharias said it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by the spirit, the breath of fresh air, the breath of life being breathed upon us. Amen. And so today, that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's the life of God being breathed in you, just like God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. The Holy Spirit breathes into us the breath, the life of God, the Zoe life of God, so that we can do what we could not do by ourselves. Is anybody here today thankful you're not living this life by yourself? There are many who have been taught the Holy Spirit is no longer available to us. That it was just for the disciples during Jesus' day. Uh, You know, I know there is that teaching, but this is what the Bible says in Acts 2.38. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. My question is, were you born after Pentecost? If you were not, I want to come interview you. (laughs) Amen. But we are here in the earth today. And as us being here in the earth, and we're breathing, and if you are a Christian today, the scripture is very clear that He has redeemed us from our sin, and He has given us a promise, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, to abide and to dwell in us. Amen? So you're included in the promise. Amen? You see, we talked about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father speaks to us about the Passover. And Passover speaks about the Lamb being Jesus Christ. And the Lamb was slain, amen, for the redemption of our sin. The Lamb provided salvation. The Lamb died that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody. Amen. But when we look, we see that He didn't, the Lamb just didn't die. But 50 days later, Amen, there was something else that showed up. And that was the gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them to go to the upper room and to tarry there until they were endued or received power from on high. When they went there, they experienced something they had never seen before. Nobody told them what to expect. Nobody told them how to respond or react. Amen. They just went there and they knew when the presence of God showed up, they said, this is a familiar spirit that we understand. Even though we don't understand it intellectually, we understand in our spirit that this is of God. And so therefore, they began to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when they did, their lives were changed forever. The Holy Spirit is our, is our lifeline to the Father. He is the one who empowers us to become who we have been created to be. Notice the response that Paul gets from the early Christian church in Acts chapter 19 when he asked them, have they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And he said it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper region, came to Ephesus, finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Amen. And so here, like a baby who has, has not yet discovered their voice yet, that they are able to speak this early church, this early group of believers has come to uh, Passover they have come to salvation but they have not yet experienced Pentecost in their life and so Paul speaks to them and he says that they, they haven't understood, they didn't know that they were able to receive this gift, my fear is that a lot of us have allowed fear and misinformation and even arrogance of the truth to prevent us from relating to our Holy Spirit that God has promised us. Amen. Many people today have doctrine beliefs, but they don't have biblical beliefs. I'm going to say that again. Many people have doctrinal beliefs, but they don't have biblically beliefs. Amen. Some have been told the Holy Spirit does not operate today like He did as recorded in the Bible. Some believe that the Holy Spirit presence was a one time, it was a limited engagement for an early church and it no longer is available today. But that is contradictory to what the Word says. Amen. He said that He would pour out His Spirit and it would go to the ends of the day, right? And to all that the Lord has called, He said the Holy Spirit is available for you. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus showed up on the scene, he said that the traditions of men have made the word of God of no effect. We take these traditions and man-made religion and rules and we base what God can be and what God can do. But I just come to announce today that the devil is a liar because God has given you power and he has available to you authority that you can walk in this life and live a victorious life. Amen. What would it look like if we threw all of our biases out? What would it look like if we threw out all of the things of doctrines and theological discourse that we have been taught and learned throughout our life? What if we threw it all out and just read the Bible like it was for the very first time and took it at what the Bible says? Not what your granddaddy thought it was. Not what mama told you it was, but what the word of God says about a thing. Do you understand that whenever we did that, that there would be a Holy Spirit that would come and descend upon us at baptism. We would walk out with speaking with other tongues and the power of God would flow through our lives and we would leave there healing the sick, raising the dead, setting the captive free and our lives would be full of joy and power every single day of our lives. Amen. Amen. People live their lives going through the molly grubs. Saved, but miserable. Oh, you don't believe me? Just look around. (laughs) Look like they've been drugged through a knothole backwards. Sucking on pickle juice. I'm saved, don't you want some? No thank you. Right? But God wants you to live a victorious life. He don't want, he didn't save you to see how much torture you could go through in life here. And then someday, if you made it, you would go on to heaven. He has given you the resources in which to live a victorious life here and now. Amen. And so we need to understand that and understand that the Holy Spirit is a gift and not a reward. Acts 2.38, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and you shall receive the gift. Say gift. Of the Holy Spirit. Now if I brought you a birthday gift today and I said to you, Pastor Jimmy, I brought you a birthday gift. And I'm going to give it to you as soon as you go wash my car. I'm going to, I've got you a gift here. And I'm going to give this, this gift to you as soon as you, you finish this list of things that I've got here for you to do. This honeydew list. Right? How many understand it ceases to be a gift now... And becomes a reward for your labor. And there's a lot of folk that are trying to get good enough. There's a lot of folks trying to work for their reward. But the Holy Spirit is not a reward, it is a gift. And that says that you didn't do anything to get it, but it has been given freely unto you. Amen. And so today, we have to understand the Holy Spirit is not something that we have merited, that we have worked hard enough for, that we have done this, that, and the other. We have come to church long enough. We've been saved long enough. What, now, You people tell me, uh, I used to hear this. They'd say, well, I, I'm just not good enough. I, I'm just not, I, I've got these things, and I'm just not good enough. You mean to tell me that you really believe you're going to heaven... But yet you're not good enough to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. The devil is a liar. Amen. He is a liar. And we have got this stuff in our minds that has nothing to do with the Word of God. But he has given us this precious gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can live a victorious life here and now. Amen. And many have not received this gift because they are working for it. They say, I'm just not good enough. I haven't been saved long enough. Amen. All of this stuff is nonsense. That is why the very reason why Father God sent the Holy Spirit into the earth. Because you can't be good enough. He knew that even you being saved was not enough. How many of us understand that this world is getting darker every day? That we are dealing with things today that we've never had to deal with in the history of mankind. We are dealing with the darkness of the day and we cannot maintain our spiritual equilibrium by ourselves. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ as we sang this morning that redeemed us from our sins. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me more saved. The Holy Spirit empowers me to do what a Christian does. Amen. And so, because I have the Holy Spirit and someone else does not, has not yet received, does not make me better than them, it empowers me to do what God has ordained for me to do in my life. Amen. And so, this is the reason the Father has sent the Holy Spirit is so that we can do what we cannot do by ourselves. Amen. Have you ever been found found yourself back doing the same thing you said you would never do again? Have you ever have you ever said to yourself, I'll never get uh, you'll never find me here again. I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. I'm never going to I'm never going to be found there. I'm never going to do that anymore. Only to find yourself six months later back in that same mess. You know why? Because you don't have the power to overcome it on your own. And that's the reason the Holy Spirit was sent. To empower us to do what we could not do. To break those addictions off of our life to break those habits off of our life to, so that we don't find ourselves going around on the miracle of life, going around again and again on this carousel and find ourselves back in the same place, but that we can go and we can be empowered to break the stronghold, to break these cycles of the enemy and say, by his grace and his power, I will overcome this addiction. I will overcome these habits because God has in empowered me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's not only addictions and habits, it's mindsets. Amen. People make excuses. Well, I'm German. Well, whenever you got saved, you gave up your German descent. And you became a Christian. And so now we don't act like Germans, we act like Christians. Come on, somebody. Well, I'm an Indian. Well, <laughs> hee-haw. Amen. Don't put don't put the blame game. Stop the blame game, and just be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and allow the Holy Spirit to help you and be your helper to overcome what the enemy has set you up against. Amen. See, the gift of the Holy Spirit was given for us to live a victorious life the Holy Spirit was given to restrain the Antichrist spirit. Amen. In Isaiah 59 and verse 19, the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against the enemy. And if you cannot see the Antichrist spirit working in America, then you are spiritually blind, my friend, because it is well and alive in America today. And we need the Holy Spirit, not only to bring a resistance, but to raise up a flood, to raise up an army against this mindset and this spirit that is anti-Christ and say, we're not going to stand for it, but we've got to have the power to back it up. There is no use of marching around Washington. There's no use of going to the courthouse. If you don't have some power to back up your words, you'll be like just every other uh, uh, organization. But when you go, you've got to go in the power. You've got to go in the Holy Spirit and know that he has given you the boldness and the authority to overcome the work of the enemy. Amen. Peter believed on Jesus, but he did not have the power to share his faith with others. Amen. But watch what the Holy Spirit, after Pentecost, he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he was the first one to stand up and share his faith. He didn't do it on a back corner somewhere. He did it on a public stage. Amen. I don't know how many he spoke to, but the scripture does record that 3,000 of those individuals came forward and experienced Christ as their personal savior. Amen. He enjoyed it so much that two days later he did it again. And the next time 5,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. You see, it'll take a person that is backward and timid. It'll take a person that doesn't have the strength to stand up and take Testify in this dark world that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And it'll give you a backbone that you can stand up and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation in my life. Amen. Amen. Peter and John walked by the, a crippled man every day on their way to the prayer service. And the scripture, when you read it, indicates that they probably gave to him on a regular basis. Because the scripture said that when Peter and John had come by, that this individual looked upon them expecting to receive something of them. So it tells me that they didn't just go by him and say sorry. They were helping him. They would give him a little money. They would give him perhaps a little... They gave him something to help him. And as they he came, there was an expectancy in his heart that would say that here comes Peter and John. I know they're going to help me. There may be some other folks going to prayer that'll just go on by me. But these guys, I can depend on them. But that day, money was running a little low. Amen? But that day wasn't like every other day. Because there was between the last time they had been to prayer and now there was a, a, this 50 days later, they was coming to the house of the Lord. But Pentecost had taken place. They had received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And now they were coming by and when they came by they said, we know what you want. And we don't have what you want. But we got what you need. And we're not going to just sustain you for another meal. We're going to empower you to live the rest of your life in victory. And they said, silver and gold we do not have. But we're going to give you what we got. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They took him by the right hand. Right hand represents authority. They were walking in power. They gave him power that day. You cannot give what you do not have. I said you can't give what you do not have. They couldn't give it to him before because they didn't have it. But now they've got some power. Now they've got the power of the Holy Spirit. And they began to reach out to him. And when they did, there was an infusion. There was a release of the anointing that caused those legs that had been crippled for years to begin to pop and stretch out. And for the very first time, he rose up and began to walk under the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you today that that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It'll straighten out some things that are crooked in your life. Come on, somebody. It'll cause those things that don't work to start working. It'll cause those things which are dead to come back to life. Because that same Spirit that was in Jesus that quickened Him and raised Him from the dead, He said it shall be in you. Glory to God. It will rise up in you and you can do greater things with the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 26 it said likewise the spirit also helps our weaknesses our our infirmities for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered the spirit knows what to pray when I don't know what to pray, there have been times in my life when I have been thankful I didn't get what I prayed for. Come on, somebody. I thought I knew and was disappointed that it didn't come till later down the road. And I realized that God, in His sovereignty, said, Blessing but don't let it happen. Amen. And he held back what I thought was good intentions, what I thought I needed, but now he brings the helper, the Holy spirit to begin to pray, not out of my mind, but out of my spirit, because he knows the will of the father for my life. You see, the Holy spirit is it. There is the gift of tongues and interpretation and we we recognize that. But the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is not so much for public as it is for private. It is for us. Yes, there will be times and it's all in decency and it's in order and all of that. But we don't have time to go into that today. But this gift of the Holy Spirit is for me to be able to pray the will of the Father. Whenever I Paul said, I'm going to pray with my understanding, but I'm going to also pray in the spirit. He said I'm going to worship with my understanding but I'm also going to worship in the spirit. In other words he said I'm going to pray to the best of my ability but then when I'm finished with that I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to pray the perfect will of God concerning this situation. When I worship I'm going to worship him with my limited vocabulary but when my limited vocabulary runs out I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm going to worship him in the spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to magnify the Father through me. And so he gives us this so that we may be able to minister unto God and be able to pray the will of the Father in a perfect way. So now why, why, why tongues? Why do they pray in tongues? Why do they pray in this language that they don't know? Why, why is it that people pray something they don't understand? Some have made it sound like that when you receive the Holy Spirit that you don't have no control over what happens. Alright, I got two people that know that. They act like it's some mystical thing that the Holy Spirit just gets you and, and starts taking control of you and you don't have no control over it. If you have something you have no control over, I promise you it's not the Holy Spirit. And you need to come up here and we'll cast it out. Amen. I'm serious. Because the Bible said the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. Amen. And so we have an understanding today that the Holy Spirit is uh, gentle like a dove. He isn't gonna come on you and and control you and and you do crazy things that, that nobody understands or none of that foolishness. That that's crazy. The Holy Spirit is gentle and it'll only give it will only take that which you allow it to. It will only use you to the fullness that you allow it to use you. And so what we have to understand is that some people say, Well, you know, do I have to speak in tongues? And my reply is, no, you get to. The Holy Spirit begins to flow through your life as you partner with Him. So why is it that people get hung up on speaking in tongues? It's because they are looking at it as a natural doing and not a spiritual experience. It It has nothing to do with you, just like salvation had nothing to do with you. Amen? But you came and you understood that salvation was for you. You didn't understand it, right? Some people say, well, I don't want anything I don't understand. And my response to that is, do you have a stove? And do you have a refrigerator? Somebody explained to me how that you can plug them into power and one of them freezes things and the other one burns them up. but it don't stop me just because I don't understand how that works doesn't stop me from using Him. Come on, somebody. Amen? And if I could understand it, then I it would be no bigger than I am, so I might as well just worship you. Come on. But this, the Holy Spirit is bigger than we are because it is God. And so, no, because... When we come to Christ, we come to him and we came into salvation because we understood and we believed that there was a lamb that was provided for us. And at that moment, we received it by faith and our lives were changed forever. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a spiritual experience and not a mental exercise. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is a spiritual experience and not a mental exercise. John 7 and 38 said that it didn't come out of your mind, but he talked about your spirit. He said, out of your belly or your spirit shall flow rivers of living water. Amen. Amen? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2, it said, for he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. In verse 14, For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. But if my understanding is unfruitful, What is the uh, conclusion then? I will pray in the Spirit and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing in the Spirit and also sing with understanding. In other words, he said, when when you break this down, he said, when I'm praying with understanding, but then when I pray in the Spirit, it's not for me to understand. It is for me to believe God. It's not that... When you're praying with understanding, it is not beneficial. It is that when you come to the end of your understanding, the Holy Spirit will pray the perfect will of God for you. Now, you say, Well, need some proof of that. Well, I told you it's not intellectual, it's spiritual. But if you need some proof, go on the web youtube it nightline did a documentary on people speaking in tongues and this is what I, an excerpt from that when dr andrew newberg a neuroscientist compared the brain uh, scans of christians praying in tongues with buddhist monks chanting and catholic nuns praying the study showed that the uh, frontal lobes the brain control center went Quiet when the, in the brains of Christians while talking in tongues, proving that the speaking in tongues is, isn't a function of the natural brain, but as an operation of the spirit. That's a neuroscientist that just proved what Paul said. He said, I'm praying with my understanding, my mind, the best I can. But then I pray in the spirit. And it doesn't come from my mind. It comes from my spirit. And it if you need proof. This neuroscientist gave that proof. It, it, it isn't coming from the mind. It's coming from the spirit. The Jewish rabbis call it the language of God. They said it's, it's not that anyone else can understand or comprehend. You, you don't need to. But it's you talking directly to God. Amen. And so why tongues? The tongue is the most unruly member of your body. It's the hardest to get control over. James 3 says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defies the whole body that setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and birds and serpents and the things of the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue cannot be, can no man tame, it is the unruly evil full of deadly poison. Why didn't he say when you lift your eyes or when you hear or when you praise or when you preach? Because you can lift your eyes, you can praise and you can preach and still not have your tongue tamed. I know people that's been coming to church for a long time and they got a tongue longer than their arm it's always flapping. Amen. Don't have no control over it. Well, I'm just going to tell you what I think. That's stupid. I know that's not proper English, but that is stupid. That is ignorant. You need to learn how to control your mouth. Because if you don't, the enemy will fill your mouth. And you'll curse yourself. But James said, this is why, because the tongue is so full of iniquity. And when you have totally surrendered yourself to Jesus, you will then use your tongue for Him. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, people get caught up on it, but I've said it over and over, but I believe this, that the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of the gift of the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit is that of speaking with other tongues. But the ongoing gift of understanding the Holy Spirit is living in your life is that of love. Amen. If you want to see, is it still in my life? Is it still operating? Am I still full of the Holy Spirit? Look at yourself and see, are you full of love? Whenever we yield ourselves, it is a sign of total surrender. We surrender ourselves totally and completely. And so this miracle of the gift of the Holy Spirit takes place in our lives. Every miracle in the Bible requires a person to receive, that is receiving to participate. He tells the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. He tells the blind man, go wash in the pool. He tells the crippled man, stand up, right? Right? And for you to receive the Holy Spirit, the breath of God into your life from God, you have to participate. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. In Acts 2, it said, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the place they were setting with cloven tongues of fire. It set upon all of them, and they all received the, uh, were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. That word utterance literally means ability. You come to Father God. For the gift of the Holy Spirit, just like you came to Him for salvation by faith. And you say, like you did at salvation, I believe that you died, that I can have life. And so I come to receive the gift of salvation in my life. Now we come to this place that we believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us. And so we return to Him and we say, God, just like we came to at salvation, we come to You. And we believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit is now for us. And we, at that moment, we experience what we experienced at salvation. We experience the presence of God filling our lives. And at that moment... We are filled with His Holy Spirit. But now you have to participate with the Holy Spirit and you have to speak the words that have been given to you. You must begin to give voice to the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we make it so difficult. But I'm telling you, a gift isn't something you have to work for or try to figure out how to get. A gift is made available to you. And I want to dispel all of the mystical stuff about it today and tell you that if you will believe and you hunger and you thirst after righteousness, after salvation, you shall be filled. Amen. And his desire is for everyone. How many received on the day of Pentecost... It's no trick. How many received on the day of Pentecost? All of them. Everyone here today that is hungry for the Holy Spirit, it is available to you and you can receive today. I know some said, well, you know, whenever I grew up in the church, they said, well, you got to tarry. And I've seen some people tarry for 20 years. But after Pentecost, you never again... See where God told them to go and tarry or to wait. The Holy Spirit and the upper room had not yet been released, so therefore they had to wait until it was released. But now that it is released, it is available to you everywhere right now. Amen. And you can receive today. Why do I need to receive? Who needs to receive? Well, let me just say it this way. If you plan on dying today, you don't need the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. But hear this. If you're going to walk out those doors and plan on living life out in this world, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. Put away all your preconceived ideas. Put away all your presumptions. And just take God at His Word. Somebody says, well, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm Presbyterian, I'm Episcopal, I'm Catholic. Everybody needs the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a Pentecostal thing. The reason why that they're called Pentecostal is because we believe in the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you, it's good for Baptists. It's good for Methodists. It's good for Catholics. I probably told you before, but we was in Mexico and I was preaching on the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, a lady came up and said, you said today that the Holy Spirit is for everybody. I said, it is. She said, I'm Catholic. And I had to, you know, the Holy Spirit helped me. I, I'm not this smart, but the Holy... She said, I'm Catholic. And uh, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I don't know a whole lot about Catholicism, but I did know that they really respected Mary. And so I said, "Uh, you respect and honor Mary, right? And, And you look up. She said, oh, yes, very much so. And I said, well, I said, do you know that Mary was in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and received the Holy Spirit? And so if you want to be a good Catholic, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. I've been in churches that have all kinds of labels over the door. And I won't go into them because if I don't mention yours, you'll say, well, it wasn't for me. But I've been into all kinds of denominations. And the Holy Spirit will work if people are hungry. Amen. It don't matter what's over the door. If you've got a hungry heart and this gift is for you and you can receive it and you can receive it today to do what you cannot do on your own. He can heal the broken. He can help the helpless. He can lift you up and give you strength that you know not of. But today you have to receive His gift to be able to do what He says you can do. Amen. And I'm thankful He's my best friend. I could tell you story after story, amen, of the Holy Spirit being real in my life. I'll tell you one as they come today. But I was in africa and the uh situation got a little hairy and uh so i was there and i was praying through the night and i didn't know should i stay should i go what should i do but i didn't rely on my own intellect i began to pray in the spirit and the fear that was in my heart left and strength come and the power of god was revealed amen and we've seen great things accomplished because the Holy Spirit showed up. He'll give you direction. He'll give you wisdom. He will give you thoughts and and direction that you know not of because He is your best friend. Amen. And Whenever you come to the end of yourself, you can always trust Him. He will be there to help you. Amen. Let me just dispel this myth too while I'm here. But the Holy Spirit doesn't come into your life for you to receive the Holy Spirit and then for it to be inactive until you get in a desperate situation again. The Holy Spirit is your best friend so that every day you can pray the will of the Father for your life. And let me just say that if you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to operate, to flow, In your life. You need to stir up that gift of God that is in you. And allow it to function and operate in your life on a daily basis. So that you can do the will of the Father every single day. Amen. I love Him today. I'm thankful for this gift. And I want everyone to have it. What would the church be if everyone received the gift of the Holy Spirit and allowed it to lead us, guide us, and direct us. Infuse us with power every morning when we get up. The devil would have a nervous breakdown and say they've done God up with some more power. What are we going to do today? Hallelujah. I believe it today. Would you stand with me? say, well, pastor, that's an awful simple message. It is on purpose. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's just that. It's easy to receive. And he wants everyone to receive this precious gift today. If you're here today and you have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, but you have not received the precious gift of the Holy Spirit but you want it, you want more of God, you're hungry for more of Him, I want to invite you to come today. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior and and you need Him in your life, I want to encourage you to come today. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've, I've received the gift, but it's been a long time since it's flowed in my life and I just want a renewing. I mean, no, there's only one baptism, but there's many refillings. And you don't have to go very far after the book, of the second chapter of Acts to find that the same people that were in the upper room were being infused with a refilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so if it hasn't been flowing in your life, I encourage you today to just allow that Holy Spirit to be refreshed and renewed within you. If you're here and you don't have that gift, come. Let's receive that gift together this morning. All right? Let's do it. Come on. folks today. Amen. Let me just give you just a little instruction. Is this all that's coming? Praise God. Everybody else got everything they need, right? Hallelujah. That's awesome. Amen. You that have come today, let me just tell you, I've worked with interpreters, people that can speak two languages, but none of them can ever speak two languages at the same time. You have to by faith. Quit speaking in English and start speaking as the words that the Spirit of God gives you. They're not made up, they're not mumbo or jumbo. They're just the Spirit of God. Begins to don't come out of your mind. It comes out of your spirit. And as it comes out of your spirit, let it begin to flow. Speak those words. Give give vocabulary. Give voice to the Spirit of God that's come upon you. Amen. And just allow it to minister to you today. Praise God. Praise God.